0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. A church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. My name is Carolyn Lankford and um, I have been a member of the Advent 32 years Um, so I'm just ever so grateful for that membership and for this body of people and um, I got involved with um, Rooted Ministry a a few years back when Cameron and Anna Harris asked me to occasionally write articles for the parents side of the blog and the only reason I said I would do that and I do like to write although it kills me um, is because if there's anything I can offer, it's my ministry of hindsight. It's my offering to my brothers and sisters who are maybe a little behind me in the raising of their children. Um, just some of the things I wouldn't do again or wish I hadn't done, whatnot. All uh, all um, under this uh, deep sense of God's grace and. Uh, who he is and who i am and therefore who i'm not so um, there is more than one way to raise children um, but i'm happy from time to time to just sort of share what i the little tiny bit that i know so um, i'm going to open this in prayer and then we'll get to it dear lord thank you for bringing us safely to this day thank you for giving us your body so that together we might come more and more to love and to serve you. Thank you for being a God of rest. Thank you for loving our children even more than we do. Amen. All right, so my task this morning is to consider a particular fear that often gets mixed in and um, impacts our parenting of our children. And this particular fear that I'm going to address is the fear that our children will not like us, that maybe they will even reject us. Um, But before we dive in, I think it's, it's never a bad idea to just quickly recap what's been going on in the previous classes and to remind ourselves what is the primary message of this series. And as Cameron launched it off and told us that every three or four years, he surveys the teenagers to whom he ministers just to see what their lives are like. What are places of stress, where they work, you know, just what's it like to be you in 2021? And he said that this year, um, he the results were that kids were saying, one of the main sources of stress in their lives is their parents. Um, yay, yay! <laughs> it seems that you know no longer are we simply annoying um, and embarrassing, but we are literally stress inducing. So, what what is that telling us, and what what can be our response? Um, and believe me, no one is pointing a finger in this room. I'm a parent of three adult children who I continue to worry about, news alert, you never stop worrying about your children. Um, but so I have these three adult children. But, and it's a no-brainer to understand how parenting right now, ungrown kids in 2021, might be fraught with fear. And we know the obvious ones like the internet and social media, that's just to name a couple. Um, but these, these things have exposed our kids to unprecedented opportunities to watch and to do harmful things. Um, parents, y'all, simply cannot protect your children in the world today in the same way you were protected by your parents a generation ago. Um, and then you got my my age group. I grew up in a house with one TV which had three channels and two rotary phones, one of which was in my parents' bedroom. So um, it was different, but you know, I was reflecting on it. My parents' big concerns back then, they were still concerns, and you know, that was basically sex, drug, and rock and roll because they were um, becoming a thing and parents had great reason to be concerned about them. So this is to say raising children has always been full of potential risk simply because life is full of risk and mishap. We live in a broken world. We as Christians know that better than most people. And if we understand our parenting job as using a finite number of years to raise them up, then our goal is to launch fully developed young adults who can thrive on their own as productive members of society. And for us Christian parents, most importantly, to raise them up as adults who profess Jesus Christ. So to doing this requires loosening our dominion over them more and more with each passing year and notice when uh, sunday schools are dismissed you will note there will be some children in the hallways that maybe for the first time this year they're making their way on their own to find their parents upstairs they're not they're no longer in need of a parental escort and likewise there will be teenagers leaving this building to get in their own car which they are going to drive to get themselves to their next event so you can just see it on a sunday morning as Things evolve as they should, and less and less parents um, are in control of everything. So this is the only way to maturity, and it requires letting our children take risks and make their own decisions, which based on brain development and the impulses of adolescence, in general, makes for a great likelihood, I would say almost guarantees, that some bad choices are gonna be made. And that's hard. That's hard when you are witnessing that as a parent. I mean, sometimes it's not hard. It's, but you know, who, who of us in this room has not happened upon our child uh, who just did something really stupid and thought, what were you thinking? I mean, that's a genuine question. What were you thinking? But anyway, our, our part of our job is to um, channel and guide and get them to a place where what they are thinking um, is is adult like. So this series, this series that Cameron has been, um, I think we're in our fourth week now, is all about us finding the way to parent our children, both grown and ungrown, out of a proper fear of the Lord and not with an anxiety-filled, control-freaking fear for the well-being of our children. And remember... The way we understand fearing the Lord, it is knowing Him in His full awesomeness and glory. Fear of the Lord is worship, Um, bowing down to His majesty, knowing that He is God and we are but His sheep. As Psalm 111 verse 10 tells us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. So this is what the Bible tells us to do, that we are to live in a proper relationship with, Lord, with the Lord where we, in, um, in worshipful and awesome-filled ways, we fear Him. Uh, Last week we had Anna Harris here. She was great. And she gave us Proverbs 14, uh, verse 26. And I want to remind us of that. And then I've tacked on verse 27. And that's um, on the handout. Proverbs, In in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Some pretty strong promises there. So the fear of the Lord produces a strong confidence in us. We know who we are and we know who God is. And it provides a refuge for our children. Um, Fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Answering and making impotent the snares of death and the snares of death in this context can include living in a constant fear of all the dangers of this life and thinking god is not who the bible says he is it's thinking that god doesn't really know the numbers of hairs on our children's heads and it's up to us to keep them safe and on the right path it's operating under the belief that God is judging us as we parent our children now we also have a word from Jesus himself if you'll look at the passage in Luke twelve four through 7 and this is Jesus talking to a crowd but specifically to his disciples and he says I tell you my friends Do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I will tell you fear him. And then Jesus does this wonderful thing. He frequently does. He goes from the lesser argument to, therefore, how much greater argument. But he says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. And then he goes on to say, You are of much more value than many sparrows. So what Jesus is saying here... And it, it, it's, it needs to sink in, and it needs to be um, uh, just over and over again in our daily lives. But what Jesus is saying here is that the fear of the Lord, when we live in that kind of a relationship with him, um, it results in not needing to fear anyone or anything else. And wouldn't it be great to wake up every day knowing that? And that's why Jesus will will go on and say things like, "Don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about your clothes." You know, he, he's he's saying, if you understand who it who it is that you are to fear, um, all these other things um, are no longer sources of fear. They they're still issues. We do need to put clothes on and we do need to eat, but that that anxiety, that fear. Um, how 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 am I going to eat and dress? Um, it, it's it's muted. It, it's the, it's not active anymore. Okay, so as I said some minutes ago, today we are considering what it means to um, acknowledge or confess that as parents we may fear our children not liking us. And I will just go on and morph it, because it morphs. Um, th- th- that could also mean a fear that we have that our children's friends aren't gonna like us. So when Cameron gave me this assignment, I want you to talk on this particular fear, I was like, wow, boy, you getting right in my business. Um, because I have been profoundly guilty of making decisions as a parent out of my fear of losing their favor towards me Um, I have actually made parental decisions thinking will this impact whether or not they like me and I know where some I know where this comes at least some of it and shout out to Elizabeth because she actually knew my mother as a little girl and I'm about to talk about my mother so um, She will vouch that um, she was a lovely, lovely woman, but I was not emotionally close to my mother growing up. Um, She was barely 21 years old when she had me, her first, and she soon thereafter became a school teacher, and then she proceeded to have two more daughters. She was a busy lady, and I remember we lived on a very tight household budget, And Mama's life's trajectory up to this moment of having these children and this career and this marriage was she grew up in a very quiet home. At 16, she headed to college because she'd been double promoted twice where she lived in the bosom of her sorority house. And it's worth remembering that was a very safe place back then. You were monitored, you had curfew, um, it was a very sheltered kind of place. And then um, at 19, she left college, married, and there it was. So she really had never lived on her own. So it must be noted that my mother gets an A-plus for running an organized household providing three well-balanced meals a day, getting us where we needed to be with clean clothes on our bodies and clean sheets on our beds. And, you know, we went to bed at the appointed time and we were expected to get our homework done before anything else. And as we all know, that is not nothing. That's a lot. Um, My mom got more done in a day than it seemed humanly possible. But when it came to that emotional nurturing, the heart bonding that I truly longed for from her, I really got that from my dad and not my mother. Mom had had a lonely childhood, and she tended to have very low expectations for any good that could come out of childhood. Her love language to me, if you will, and I really have figured this out. It was her love language. Her love language to me was, let me prepare you in the safety of our home all the bad things that you are certainly going to experience before you actually experience them. Yeah. So here's just one example and I promise you um I'm not just using you for some free therapy but I think I think it I think it it just it helps understand how I got my in my place where the fear of my children like like me, really submitted. it. So I was in seventh grade. It was Homewood Junior High School. Yes, back in those days, Homewood still had a junior high system. And I decided I was ready to enhance my status. And I was going to do that by trying out for cheerleading. Those cheerleading girls had it going on. And I was tired of being a nobody on the junior high food chain. When I announced my plans to my mother, her one and only response was that I was not cheerleading material, so if I insisted on pursuing this plan, to at least please be prepared to not get picked. Um, And while she was very correct about my chances, you know, my mother could not, couldn't, could have maybe entered in and found a way to encourage me and support me, but she didn't. So I tackled the week of tryouts completely on my own. I had plenty of comments from my mother that my extended schedule at school all that week was an additional burden to her, and my constant practicing in my upstairs bedroom was shaking the entire house. And I'm like, well, duh, those herkies are hard. (laughs) So while it comes as no surprise that I indeed did not make cheerleader, in, in that sort of childlike way, I was only in seventh grade, I had poured myself into the process and I harbored just a faint but very real hope that I would make it. So, learning that I hadn't, as I was sta- stood fighting back tears and waiting on my mom to pick me up, um, I looked over and I saw a girl who had made it um, get in the car with her mother. Now this girl, like me, was also way down on the food chain. But unlike me, she was cheerleading material. She was just that good, but she, too, wasn't really expected to make it. She just did everything very, very well. So I watch her through the windshield as she's telling her mother. And isn't that kind of refreshing that back in that day, mother's didn't, weren't there. They found out when they picked their kids up. But she's telling her mother um, this amazing news, and her mother burst into happy tears as they hugged. And it was just so sweet. And it was not going to be like that for my mother, with my mother. I didn't even want to tell her, much less look to her for comfort. I really think that watching that other mother and daughter. Right then, the seed was planted in my heart that if I ever got to be a mother, I wanted that kind of a relationship. I was going to be that mother. And I was going to be emotionally close to my children, and we would do life together as friends and co-companions. And I did indeed carry that into my motherhood, because I was given the privilege of being a mother, But I slowly learned that it is not possible for a parent to be friends with his or her child and remain a parent. You can be one or the other, but not both. Or put it another way, fulfilling our responsibilities as a parent means your kids are not going to like you sometimes. It may be a lot of times. Maybe for years. And since we are all about identifying our idols in this class and in this church, for that matter, praise the Advent, idols are those things, those good things, which we blow out of proportion and then worship them more than we worship Jesus. So my desire to be emotionally connected with my children was a good thing, but it morphed into the only way I could be emotionally attached to my children was for them to like me, um, so that was that 's what I did, and I made that 's what happened was I was making what my children thought of me the ultimate that was the source of my identity. If my ch- children could describe me as fun, approachable, their greatest advocate safe with the secret into the details of their developing social lives, I would have arrived. So you see, when I, when I, I was it was really about me. And I'll give you but one example of how this operated in my life. And believe me, this is one of my least embarrassing ones. I don't really mind telling you this one <laughs> as much as I might some of the others. Um, when our daughter, and yes, that's Rebecca was about 10 she had a bunch of girls over to spend the night and I was all about this I was in full fun mom mode (laughs) because Rebecca was gonna like me and her friends were gonna like me and they were gonna talk about how fun it is to come over to Rebecca's house so I had transformed our playroom into a 10 year old girl's nirvana and I was completely at their beck and call Oh, this was going to be such a wonderful evening for my ratings. Um, and at one point, you know, caught up in the moment and being way too full of herself as the hostess, Rebecca said something incredibly snarky to me. I know it's hard to believe, but it was cr- it was bad. Um, and she said it in front of all her friends, putting me in my place in the universe, and it was not as Rebecca's parent. And I'd like to say that I made Rebecca excuse herself while we went into another room to get straight. But with all those pairs of eyes on me, and what would they think, and how could I be fun and also embarrass Rebecca by making her leave the room, I let it fly. I didn't resolve. The next morning, after everybody had left, Rebecca and I would get to the bottom of that. But guess what? That moment never came. I missed the moment. By the following morning, Rebecca was exhausted. Um, It was too late. It was too late to have that teaching moment. So basically, I would blown it. And again, that's one that I don't mind telling you about. Um, The writer of Hebrews quotes... Proverbs 3, 12 to 13, and expounds on its meaning. meaning. That's also in your handout. So the proverb says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, as a father, the son, in whom he delights. And then the writer goes on to say, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But He, God, disciples us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. For the moment of discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Well, I just think there's so much in this passage, but the the things that that really jumped out at me, um, disciplining our children, even when it's painful for them, is go, is doing for them what God does for all of us whom He calls His sons and daughters it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And then notice the beauty in the Proverbs claim that the Lord disciplines those in whom he delights. Discipline is a profound act of love. He reproves him who he loves. So this whole idea, this temperate parenting template that we are called as parents to discipline and delight in our children and do you see the difference you know rather than wanting to be liked by our children which focuses on what they think of us god shows us the righteous path of our delighting in our children our focus is on them and that we do that while we are disciplining them we love our children so much we don't need their approval just as our heavenly father certainly does not need ours he delights and he disciplines so I encourage you to let this inform your parenting you know what are some ways you can delight in your children Um, Certainly focusing on them voluntarily, maybe out of nowhere, just letting them know how much you love their sense of humor or um, you love the way they um, are a friend to one of their friends. Um, Even if you're currently living with a sullen teenager, Um, that might be on the surface a challenge but I think that kid most especially needs your expressions of delight and then likewise if you're in a season right now or any time to come with one of your children which requires a whole bunch of disciplining and I think we all can think of uh, situations where that is that goes on for years in someone's home um, that's even another time to truly not neglect the delighting in them as well as you go and um I know from our experience one of our sons in particular he was he was pretty withdrawn and sullen from about age thirteen to 25 and certainly while he was under our roof and What was what was so challenging was? you would offer some genuine delight and get nothing nothing maybe an eye roll But I'm telling you what that eye roll says is it registered Somewhere, somehow, it registered, it penetrated. And that is enough because, again, our focus was not on does he like us, but I'm going to take this opportunity to tell him how he delights me, even when he hasn't had a a happy word to say for about the last three years. Um, So to, to summarize parenting our children out of fear and let's just think of some of them be it fear of their failure they're not going to get into that school in fear of their very survival oh my gosh he's driving in fear of all the possible things that might occur he might just decide he does want to drink beer friday night after the football game in fear of what other people think and a shout out to that. I uh, certainly that translated for me too. And then also in the fear that God really is not our children's perfect parent. And so yes, in that fear, um, we are going to have to do it ourselves. And then finally, in that fear of our children not liking us, um, all of those fears—it's parenting out of a, a A posture of faithfulness, faithfulness for the believer. It is also, according to Cameron, um, the recipe for producing anxiety filled, stressed out kids. Um, Jesus told the crowd to fear the Lord, the one who can cast into hell, and only Him. Solomon teaches us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, something every parent needs, and the good news of the gospel guarantees us that because of Jesus, we have a Heavenly Father who delights in us and in our children. Again, as Cameron loves to say, the gospel is rest, and that is even as we are parenting along, there is rest. So, I don't know if we have any time for questions or comments. Um, there, I, I mean, I'd love to hear from y'all if there's if there's something that you have learned or something that resonates with you. I would love to hear that or anything else. And if not, we will, we will pray. Anybody? Almost, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, I love this uh, delight and discipline. I think that's a, lo- a lovely takeaway for me. I'm wondering if my kids aren't yet in the in cam- under Cameron's umbrella, do they sort of talk about that with them too? That we're not here to, you know, be the meanies. Like we're just doing what we're, you know, we're trying to discipline them for their own good and the Bible tells us to do that. Yeah, I I would hope so, and I would think so, because it's all very cohesive now. You know, we have a whole family and children's ministry. But I think that's also very much something you can tell them, we can tell them, in the act of disciplining, um, listen, I, I didn't make this up. This comes from the Bible. This is how I am instructed by the thing that I hold to be ultimately true that the best way for me to love you is to discipline you. Um, so explain, I mean I think kids you, you could, I am sending you to your room for the rest of the afternoon because I love you. And that's part of my joy in parenting you is I get to love you while I discipline you. Were you gonna say something, Melissa? Well just um you did a great job. What? Well. <laughs> but the part you were saying at the end about that can create a fear, would you say anxiety ridden child and you know, I have three kids. I, I parent parented my three kids but inevitably you parent them differently because sure. you don't want to but they're different personalities in my one of mine definitely is what you said he's so anxiety ridden and i know that i parent out of fear even now when he's at a college living at home and we hope he goes away soon
1: <laughs> oh, <good> uh-huh. jobs. <laughs> but um
0: it's because i'm not saying in the fear of the lord i'm so wrapped up in him like right I'm saying the focus is on him and even though i'm trying to pretend i'm smiling he can still see through he yes see my anxiety yes and I'm projecting that on yes him and that's a very good point and i think cameron has really developed that well that um our children are they're they sense our anxiety and our fear and our insecurities i mean we can be uh, faking it but we don't ever make it they they, they know better because they know us um just about as well as we know them well i mean it's different but you know if you think about it those little people that are growing up who live with you, they know a lot about you, and they can read you like a book. Yeah. I think to that end, just being really honest, I feel like we've had some difficult things lately about my need for Jesus. Uh huh. I have a lot of fear that I'm messing them up. You know that, and and I, am, you know,
1: but it's because I need, I need Jesus
0: just as much as they do. Right. I don't have it all figured out. Um, no. So. No, and we, you know, we carry our brokenness into our marriages and into our parenting and we carry our own and we carry the ones we've inherited and we carry the ones that life just dishes out and so yeah, I think it's okay for our children to know that too and so we need a refuge and a savior just as much as they do yeah, thank you All right. well I hope everybody has a nice afternoon I'll close this in a quick prayer Heavenly Father, send us out um, to be your ambassadors, to be your light, to be the salt, um, so that we may spread the good news that only you you provide. And Lord, um, bless us and keep us in our roles as parents. Lord, I know you love us and you delight in us. Please gently discipline and shepherd us as we... Um, Do our best to to raise these little ones and these big ones that we just love so, so very much. And thank you for the gift of them. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.